I challenge you to a duel. Hello and welcome to the Movie Jewel podcast. My name is Peter and I am your host. Ordinarily on the Movie Jewel podcast uh, we pick a subject that's based around movies and then myself and my co-host pick a film that we think best fits that subject. However, this is a special bonus Christmas episode of the Movie Jewel podcast and will feature all four of my Movie Jewelists. Um, so before we get into that, just a reminder about how you can get in touch with us here at the Movie Jewel podcast. We are on X and Threads at Movie Jewel Bod. We are on Facebook and we are on Instagram, so you can send us direct messages through there, or you can email us at moviejewelpodcast at gmail.com. So this uh, episode may contain some strong language, I don't think it contains any spoilers, might do, possibly, and it is quite a rough edit, so it may not be up to our usual uh, sound quality standards, um, but it is a bit of a tough edit, trying to edit five people. Um, and I wanted to get this out in time before Christmas, um, so you'll have to excuse uh, if it's not quite as polished as we normally present our podcast. Um, but with that being said, I hope you enjoy our Christmas special of the Movie Jaw podcast. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. Okay, so season's greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Christmas special of the Movie Jewel podcast that we are christening the 12... Oh, no, what the fuck was it? (laughs) (laughs) 12 questions of Christmas? The 12 12 intermissions of Christmas. Yes, we are calling it the 12 intermissions of of Christmas. Uh, And joining me for this very special episode uh, are all four of the fantastic Movie Jewelists. Um, starting with Jamie. Hello there. Tarquin. Watch out. Vanessa. Hi. And Nicole. Hello. So, thank you very much for coming on, guys, and uh, and taking part in this uh, this first of hopefully many uh, Christmas editions of, of the Movie Jewel podcast. Um, I thought it'd be quite interesting, first of all, just to sort of go around the room Um and, and sort of get people's opinions of Christmas because everybody has a different opinion of Christmas. And uh, so, Jamie, are you a fan of Christmas? Do you like it? Do you like the season? Yeah, as I was mentioning, sort of off off record, um, I'm a bit of a Christmas Grinch, to be honest. Um, and November is far too early for me to think about Christmas, even though I have a wife who works in retail, so I'm exposed. Christmas talk for a long, long time, um, but no, I, I won't have, I won't play any Christmas songs. Um, I was, uh, I had to move my car uh, for my wife a, a few mornings ago, and the radio was on, um, and uh, it was a Christmas song. I immediately switched it off. <laughs> Just not having that. Not ready. Um, no, no, not, not time. But. 
This is like, it's like a switch, internal switch for me that when it's December the 1st, it's fine. I can listen to Christmas songs um, and I'm quite happy to think about Christmas. I'm quite happy to talk about Christmas, but November, it's a no-no. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. But obviously we're, you know, we're, we're close to Christmas now. This is, you know, not recorded a month ago or anything like that at all. Uh, what about you, Nicole? Are you a big fan of Christmas? I am. I'm one of those, you know, nostalgic. I was going to say, you got that, you got that Santa hat pretty sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where it was. <laughs> wearing my Santa hat. Um, but, you know, I'm one of those people who still has nostalgia for the simplicity of childhood Christmas, which, like, now at my age, I'm realizing involved so much hidden labor by the women in my family. <laughs> you know, deciding which gifts to buy and saving up and buying the gifts and hiding them and wrapping them and deciding what to have for dinner and going shopping and cooking and cleaning. And I was just sort of dragged along to various uh, relatives' houses for such things. And so, you know, my job was to sit in the car for like an hour and a half reading books until we got there and make a tiny bit of polite chit chat and then I could like run off and find the person's dog and play with that for the next couple hours. Um, and eat a ton of food. So <laughs> I do have fond feelings about it, but you know, as I got older and I've simplified Christmas quite a bit, I still like it. I'm still, I still get that little ping in my heart if it starts snowing on Christmas day. And I, why not? Why not? You know, it's the holidays all about enjoying the people in your lives and um, just having a, a moment of as pure a goodness as you can manage in this world today. <laughs> so. Excellent. Oh, what about you, Tarquin? Well, Christmas is a severely truncated experience for me these days, um, working at the factory. I just get, like, the day off. Um, so it's a pair of socks. It's, you know, it's a sweater. Um, it's another day. I remember the magic of childhood, but it's not that these days. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I've always felt that before I had kids and stuff, and, and now that sort of comes back a little bit, and and you sort of... You know, enjoying Christmas through them. Um, but I love getting a pair of socks now as well. I remember, like, when you're in your sort of teenage <laughs> years or sort of early early teens, and you're like, oh, God, it's socks or it's clothes or it's yeah. deodorant or anything. <laughs> and now you're like, wow, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is funny how the older you get, the more you appreciate a good pair of socks. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a good roast meal as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the food's just amazing, isn't it? You know, it's it's it, it's a chance to just engorge yourself and and, uh, and like a tick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Love it. And, I'm sorry. That's what I think of when someone says engorged. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? <laughs> uh, I I love Christmas. Um, it's strange because. 
I'm a bit like Jamie. I don't really agree with all this stuff happening so early. Like, it seemed like this year, as soon as that... In fact, even when the Halloween stuff was still out, there was already Christmas stuff out in the shops. And I think that ruins it a bit, because I think by the time you actually get to Christmas, you're a bit sick of it. So I think there really should be some kind of legislation passed whereby nothing is allowed <laughs> to happen until the 1st of December. <laughs> If a political party come out and say that, you know, they definitely uh, would get my support. Um, but the, the actual Christmas itself, I do love. Um, we don't have kids, so I suppose we don't have that element of it. And maybe because we don't have kids, Stevie and I have a slightly odd setup at Christmas where I still go to my parents for Christmas and he goes to his. Um, or he goes to his family because they, 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 so we don't actually have Christmas dinner together. We we do see each other in the morning, and he usually comes and sees my family, and then he goes to his, and we all live quite close together, so we can walk like between them all. But we don't actually have like Christmas dinner together because I like spending it with my family. <laughs> so, wow! And I think that's probably that is, that is unusual. It is unusual. And I, I know when I was if we had kids, we wouldn't do that. Like we would obviously probably want to spend it together. And I think because we don't have kids, maybe we've got. I don't know. Maybe it's because we want to then have it like what we had when we were kids because we don't have that. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's a bit strange. Mm. But yeah, I love no, it. I know what you mean. It's just when I was married, we just alternated right. which house we went to from year to year. So, and we'd do Thanksgiving at the at the other person's family's house instead. So very sensible. It is, it is a bit strange, but but, I, but it is, I do love it, and I love all the Christmas movies and stuff as well. So <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those weirdos who actually still likes that Mariah Carey song despite the amount of airplay it gets. <laughs> oh dear. Well. With, with this being the sort of proverbial um, sort of movie jewel Christmas party, I suppose um, everybody seems to have a little bit of a tipple. What's everybody drinking tonight? Jamie, what have you got? I've got Cruz Campo, which is my favourite Spanish lager at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, really nice. But uh, I've got <laughs> two, 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 two boxes of it. <laughs> On the floor, literally. Blimey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only plan to get drunk and start trying to shine I only plan to get through one of them. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Tarquin? Um, I'm on the Stella. Mm. Uh, good old Stella. Classy. Yeah, it's the old perennial. Yeah. <laughs> I still say it's classy. It is. It is classy. I, I, I tried to change I wasn't, it into something. I wasn't being I ironic. I wasn't being ironic. It is classy. Well, you always get a sexy glass with it whenever you get it out. You know, in a pub. You, you do. You do. <laughs> yeah. Vanessa, what about you? Funnily enough, actually, I used. To, I'll tell you. What I'm, I'm drinking on a sec, but I used to work in a pub when I was about eighteen, nineteen, and we could never keep the Stella glasses. Like people would always pinch them because they were always like kind of like goblet type style glasses, and people were yeah. always taking them. But that's just an aside. I'm drinking Makutu. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, Sauvignon Blanc from the Marlborough region of New Zealand. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Lovely. New world. I'm also drinking wine. I've got Pinot Grigio. It's a, it's a vintage 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Marseco or something? I don't know. It tastes good. <laughs> That's a mean thing. It gives me a warm feeling inside. There we go. What about you, Nicole? Um, I could not find my favorite uh, holiday beverage, which is Banfi's uh, Rosa Regale, which is this fizzy wine that tastes just like raspberries and it's Ooh. delicious and dangerous because it doesn't taste of alcohol in the slightest <laughs> you could just suck the whole bottle down before you realize it um but i do have leftover from thanksgiving uh a hard cider uh far from the tree candy apple sweet cinnamon cider and it is quite tasty mm, it sounds it i need to see if we can get that over here sounds very tasty <laughs> well, if not, you'll have to send us some If you can I don't know, can you do that? Can you import I alcohol? don't know if I can export alcohol export. I live in Massachusetts and we have weird liquor laws here So <laughs> I'll have to look it up Fair enough, fair enough You'll have to just describe its texture to us And all that sort of stuff <laughs> Its nose and all that gubbins um, <laughs> But... So, as a Christmas present to all four of you, um, we decided on the format for this episode would be the 12 intermission questions of Christmas, um, in which you get to get your own back on me and put three questions each to myself um, that I've not had any preparation for, um, as I do to you on each of our episodes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you all seem to be, uh, chomping at the bit to do that. So that's what we went for. <laughs> I smell justice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling, Peter? How are you feeling? I- I'm feeling fine. I don't, I'm, you know, goes over my head this. I've, I'm eternally sort of nervous anyway so i think it's a bit like the hulk in the avengers you know where he's like always angry i'm just always nervous so now it's just you know i just deal with it on a constant basis (laughs) perpetual anxiety that's my superpower (laughs) okay so um so you've all prepared you know what uh, each of you are asking me um so you've had a bit of time to sort of prep prepare and uh and think about your answers to other people's questions and such. So, we'll start with, I think as well we said at one at least one of the questions had to be Christmassy. Was that right? Yeah, excellent. Okay, so we'll start with Tarquin. Okay, your first question, please. All right, Peter. Uh, which uh, movie villain do you empathise with most? Ooh. That's a very good one. The immediate one that that jumps out to me is Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Um, Because I think he, you know, I mean, is he he supposed to be an out-and-out villain in that film? I don't really, you know, I think you're meant to empathise with him, I suppose, is... Is is the whole point of the movie, and you're supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, in in his corner to a certain degree, um, and I just think that whole film. I mean, it's one of the few films of the last ten years that I've watched more than two or three times. I've just watched it and watched it, um, 
along with uh, Whiplash, that's the other film that I've watched again and again. But, yeah, it would definitely be his uh, Arthur Fleck. And I can't wait for um, Folly Adieu. It should be amazing. But, yeah, I think it's just stellar performance. Well deserving of the Oscar as well. You know, his whole that whole arc is... Yeah, I really like it as well. It, yeah. It's just amazing. What would you have picked, Tarquin? Um, okay, so I've got a few. Um, obviously, um, Thanos from the Avengers, um, with his entirely right plan to uh, exterminate half the population. Um, <laughs> he's a hero. Um, John Malkovich as Mitch Leary from In the Line of Fire. Um, don't know if you've seen that. Oh, one. yeah. He's... Um, the scene mm. with the duck hunters. Um, yeah, yeah. But my final answer is uh, Vince Vaughn as Reese Feldman in Starsky and Hutch. Because um, you know how villains in films are always really shitty to their staff. Like, <laughs> they're always treating them really badly. Yeah. Whereas he seems like genuinely invested and, and he seemed to care about his people. So I like that. God, I haven't seen that film for ages. Unexpected but interesting. <laughs> what would you say, Nicole? Um, the one that leapt immediately to mind was Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. Yes, that's a good oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I spent most of the film going, just kind of nodding my head, and the audience going, "Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. I get why you're mad. I get the it." British Museum. You know. <laughs> he he was right. Um, Vanessa. Uh, I kind of hummed and hawed about this one, and originally I thought about Frankenstein, and then. I thought about Leatherface uh, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, because yes. I think he's he's you know he's definitely like yeah, poor guy. Like what's going on? Like why are all these yeah, people in my house? And you get the impression that <laughs> you know he's he's maybe got some difficulties. So um, yeah, I would probably go for uh, for Leatherface because I think he's kind of misunderstood, and I don't think he's really bad. I think he's just maybe got some some issues that he needs to work through <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah he's brave and he's ahead of his time yeah yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah um jamie um i went for um roy blatty from blade runner oh yeah oh yeah um so when he when he consider he that he comes to earth with the sole purpose of extending his short lifespan i think that's that's something that we can all uh, you know, empathise with. He's as a mm. replicant, he can only live. I think is it four years, and he's mm-hmm. and he's close to the end of that. Um, and I think his also his 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 soliloquy speech at the end. It's just it's just beautiful. Um, mm. And that, that I think that was wasn't that improvised by. Rutger Hauer, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's just a wonderful moment, and also just prior to that, he's he does save Deckard's life, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So you think, mm-hmm. you know, there's and he's a, lo- and he's a lover, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'll go for Roy Blatty, Blade Runner. Yeah, solid choice. I think it's Batty. Just... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is why I'm a movie nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's go to Nicole. Your first question, please. My first question. What is the most awkward film 
you have ever watched with a parent or a guardian? Mm. There's not too many, to be fair, because I mean, I've my mom and my dad were not. I never really watched a great many films with my mom or my dad, to be fair. Um, if I was watching with dad, we, we more often than not we'd go to the video shop with dad, and he'd sort of steer us towards certain films that he wanted to watch. And there wasn't too many. I can't give you a specific film here because I can't remember what the film was called. But it was very much... It was a sword, sort of sword and sorcery film that we rented. And it was when we was at my mum's for the weekend. But I specifically remember it having a nude lady in it. Um, and I, <coughs> I would have only been about seven or eight, I think. And I think it, it, we, it this was rented on the basis that it had like dragons and sword play on the on the front video cover and stuff, but it had this sort of middle aged naked lady, and I just remember it being extremely awkward. I can't for the life of me tell you what the film is. It probably is really terrible. Um, oh, there were so many bad sword and sorcery movies in the eighties, particularly. Yeah, so after could have been any number yeah. of them. <laughs> So I'm sorry I can't give you a specific film, but I just remember that quite vividly being um, really awkward. I could give you a I could give you a TV show and an episode of a TV show that was really awkward. Sure. Uh, which was the first series of Blackadder. Um, there's an episode called um, the Queen the Queen of Spain's Beard, I think it is, um, and it's. There's a there's sort of a uh, an audible sex scene in it. It's sort of pitch black, and somebody's having sex with somebody they shouldn't, or they think it's somebody else, and it's quite quite a loud sort of sex scene. I remember watching that with my dad, and thinking, "Oh my god, this is just super awkward." Because it goes on for about two or three minutes as well, <laughs> and you're like, oh, "Jesus!" But there we go. That's the best I've got. <laughs> So mine was, um, okay, picture this. I am eight years old. We live, my mother, my older sister, and I live with our maternal grandmother. And one day my grandmother decides that she's going to take me to the movies. There's a musical playing. She's heard it's really good. And she takes me to see Hair. And I don't think she had any idea of what <laughs> she was in for. <laughs> There's a great deal of nudity in that film uh, that I was not prepared for, and I don't think she was prepared for. And uh, a lot of mature themes and, you know, but the nudity was the really awkward bit of the film. I am still glad I saw it. I mean, I still cried at the end, even though I was eight. I I got what happened. You know, I understood what happens at the end of that movie. And, um, but yeah, yeah, not, that's, you know, seeing my first on-screen boobs while sitting next to my grandmother was a bit of an odd experience. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, who should we go to next? Uh, Tarquin? 
Okay, um, so I do remember watching um, Quadrophenia in class and um, our teacher leaping up when um, uh, Jimmy had sex with uh, Leslie Ash in an alleyway and um, slamming shut the, the big wooden shutter. <laughs> but the most, the most awkward one was um, American Werewolf in London. And it's not really a funny story, but um, my uh, step-grandmother um, is Jewish and... Um, her husband um, killed himself, and uh, so the scene where uh, the hero tries to kill himself with um, a knife in the telephone booth, um, that really distressed her. And the Nazi ogres um, with machine guns storming into the family well, house yeah. didn't help much either. So that was very weird. Wow. And Vanessa, what about you? Uh, I think I've mentioned it when we've chatted in the past. Um we used to go to the video shop every Friday night and um, and rent, I think it was like three different um, videos and you got to keep them all weekend. And for some reason this Friday, neither of my brothers or my mum, I don't know where they were, so it was just me and my dad. And we watched The Specialist with Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. <laughs> yes, you did mention that, I remember. <laughs> and there's yeah. a sex scene and a shower in that movie, which goes on and on and on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we were both, and I think we were both embarrassed. I don't know what age I would have been. I would have been like, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13. I definitely wasn't 18, but my mum and dad were never that fussed about showing us 18, sort of like it just didn't bother them. Um, <laughs> but we sat, and I think eventually I couldn't take it anymore. So I was like, Do you want a cup of tea? And like, I had to go out the room because I was just like, because it went, you think it's just going to be a couple of minutes, but it goes on for a long time. Um, and I, it, it was so disturbing that I've never actually watched that film since because I just have these <laughs> memories of sitting and just being like, oh my God, like would the couch just like swallow me up? It was horrible. Scarred you for life. Uh, what about you, Jamie? <laughs> well, I've got a couple, but the, probably the most memorable one was uh, I was with uh, with my brother. He's three years younger than me. In fact, I, I, I'm not sure if he actually watched it. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe that's about. I definitely watched this film. Um, my gran was watching it. My mum watched it, um, and it was my uncle who brought the film. Um, and this is you know VHS days. I would have been. I was. I wasn't a teenager. I think I was eleven or twelve, something like that. And he says, "I've got this great film. I think we should all watch it." So I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, that sounds good." Um, pop it in, Uncle Ian. So puts it in. It's The Shining. <laughs> and uh, I thought you were going to say Last Tango in Paris then. <laughs> the Shining. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, come on. I mean, that, that's, that was a crazy film to show, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone who wasn't even a teenager. And, uh, yeah, just obviously key scenes in that film. I was, I was turning around and looking at my mum and, 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 and Gran. She was... It's just, I'll, I'll, I'll talk. It's, it's actually linked into a question later on, so I won't go into that scene. But there's, there's one scene in particular. I'm sure you can imagine um, what scene I'm talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's, it's stayed with me for some time. Let's see. Is there a bathtub involved? Yeah. Yes, there was. <laughs> I watched, Do you know what I watched? I watched The Shining. Um, I mean, it must have been God knows how many times I've watched it. I watched it again a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know, it's just, you know, the scene where Shelley Duvall's running through at the end and then she comes across the 
the guy in the bedroom with the guy dressed as the teddy bear. Yeah. This is the first time I've noticed. Obviously, you sort of think, well, there's something, you know, a bit sort of sexual going on there. First time I've noticed that he's actually got a, a, a flap with his arse out at the back of the, you know, it, <laughs> it's got some kind of romper suit with the arse. I've never noticed that before. Maybe just not looking for it. I don't know. But there we go. <laughs> Interesting man, you're Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But I think, I think I can credit him for my lifelong interest in horror. So thank you, Uncle Ian. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, was that? Is, have we gone through everybody for that one? Okay. So, uh, Vanessa, then your first question. Uh, I'll start with the Christmas question, so that we're not doing all the Christmas ones back to back. Um, what okay. What is your favourite Santa performance in a in a movie? One of the one of the first ones I remember, and I can't remember the name of the actor. Um, but one of the first Christmas films I remember seeing was Santa Claus the Movie. Um, I can't for the life of me think of the guy who's in it. Anybody know? Dudley Moore plays the elf, doesn't he? Yeah, Dudley Moore plays the elf. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the guy who plays Santa. I'm going to have to frantically Google it. Uh, David Huddleston. Never heard of him. Um, but yes, I just vividly remember that film. It's it's a film from my childhood. So, and he's just sort of this genteel sort of Americanized uh, Santa Claus, which isn't a bad thing. But you know, it's uh, it, yeah. I think he's just you know very jolly. He's got the size, a very sort of imposing sort of. Uh, figure as well and um and and quite impressive um but i just like that i just like that story though because it's sort of like it's like santa year one it's sort of is you know you start off with where he's just an ordinary guy and he's sort of taking on the mantle of santa claus and stuff the the rest of it i remember watching it with my or trying to watch it with my daughter a few years back and it doesn't quite sort of hold up the the back end of it, where it's all about capitalism and and uh, and stuff like that, is uh, it, it, it's a bit janky. But uh, but yeah, I would say that Santa Claus the movie. What about you? I, I thought of a few that I quite like, but I suppose the one that I find most kind of Christmassy and kind of nostalgic about is probably um, Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. Um, just because I remember watching that movie and I don't know, there's just something quite whimsical and kind of nice about it. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I, I went with Tim Allen from the Santa Claus, but just that one, not the fr ongoing franchise that's apparently still going on with like a TV show. The clauses. Just that one movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Um, well, I ended up going for a, a recent uh, Santa performance, and that is, well, I ended up having to go for um, a family member performance, and that's Kurt Russell. That's Uncle Kurt Russell. Well, yes, yes. Did you not know he's? Uh, have I not told you he's my uncle? Isn't no. Ah, he is Uncle Kurt. Colour me extremely spectacle. 
Are you having a laugh or is this for real? <laughs> no, it's true. He's tell. my uncle, yeah. yeah. Your first uncle. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've I've haven't haven't met him in, in in person as such. I've only I've only sort of FaceTimed him, but uh, yeah, that's Russ. The, the origins of Russell. It's 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 American. Is this where you're going to say you've got an uncle who's called Kurt, and it's not the Kurt Russell? I'm only joking. Ho ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. The, the state, state of our education system, you lying teacher, you. <laughs> you, you I, got, I got you, didn't I? Did I get you? I think I did. No. <laughs> you got me. No, but um, I'm seriously, I, I'm going to go for Kurt Russell. Uh, uh, I can't what the fuck, what's the film? The Christmas Chronicles. Chronicle. Yeah, the first one. The first one. He's the sexiest Santa performance. I guess. Yes, yes, yes. The coolest, oh, yeah. the coolest yeah. and sexiest. <laughs> Nicole, what about you? Um, I, I know I can't pick a TV special. I mean, if I had to pick my favorite performance of, of anywhere ever, it would be Stan Francis doing the voice of Santa in the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special. Um, he's just got that the the booming jolly, ho ho ho, you know, <laughs> good childhood memories of that. But um, real life, I would have to go with Edmund. Gwen from the classic Miracle on 34th Street oh, yeah. and Chris Kringle and trying to convince baby Natalie Wood that he's the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, is a nice performance. Uh, Tarquin, what about you? Well, I haven't watched any Christmas films ever, um, <laughs> so this is tough. But um, all right, so I've got a nasty one and a nice one. Um, Dan Aykroyd in um, Trading Places. <laughs> yeah. Certainly the nastiest Christmas like... costume ever. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just smeared, horrible. He's drunk out of his mind, stoned. Um, he's trying to incriminate Eddie Murphy by dropping pills in his um, desk. And then everything goes wrong. He gets exposed. He's out on the street, um, drunk <laughs> as a skunk. And um, a dog is peeing on him. He tries to kill himself. and The, the gun doesn't work. Uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And um, then a nice one, the eel song. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but the chorus goes, I'm going to drop on down on the last stop in this town. It's got a really nice Santa voice in it. That's a good one. Very good, very good. Well, you see, I know the real Santa. The real Santa. So I'm going to show you, for the benefit of um, the movie duelist, if it shows up, I don't know if it will. Oh, <laughs> he's the re—he's the real Santa and the real Mrs. Claus, <laughs> right there. What did you ask for for Christmas that year? Ooh, be, I won't get it if I tell you. <laughs> but let's just say if there's not a big Shakira-shaped um, present under my tree, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Okay, so oh, where are we, Jamie? Yes. Uh, seeing as um, I mentioned 
uh, an uncomfortable film with an uncomfortable scene set in a bathroom. That is actually my question for you. Best scene or most memorable scene set in a bathroom. But you can't mention that that scene because that's my own. <laughs> best. So best scene. Well, mo most memorable. Mo yeah, I think mo most memorable, most memorable scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we've already touched on the film. Um, I am going to say, um, well, for two reasons, really. Um, American Werewolf in London. Uh, one being Jenny Agatha in the shower. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry. And a very formative uh, scene uh, in my uh, growing up. And uh, it's also got one of the best mirror scares, the classic mirror scare from, from horror um, with, uh, with David, uh, uh, Jack. It's not the best Jack appearance, but it's it's a memorable one in in the, um, and I do like a good mirror scare. Yeah, and that's a killer so one. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jack? Oh, you're, oh yeah, we've had yeah. Yours, so haven't we? I haven't actually talked about it in detail, but yes, <laughs> uh, the I mean the, the the bathroom scene in The Shining. When I first watched that with my uncle, with my grand, with my mum, I don't think my brother was around. <laughs> But oh, just it, 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 obviously the naked, naked uh, woman, fully, fully naked. Let's say, and, and I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time in a film I, I was uh, because I, I, I did live a bit of a sheltered life and uh, upbringing in a in a, <laughs> in a small remote area. Um, so that was a bit like ooh, ooh, and so I was, I was like ooh. I was very much sort of glued to that. And I'm sure my mum was looking at me uh, rather uncomfortably at that point. And Gran most definitely was. No idea what my uncle was thinking at that point. He's probably thinking, oh, maybe I've, st <laughs> I've stepped over the mark here. <laughs> but um, but it's just when when he, when when he start kissing and then, oh, he turned around. And then, oh, well, I'm sure I'm not spoiling anything for anyone. Yeah. The, the transformation was just like, how can you go from sort of eroticism yeah. to revulsion <laughs> in a short period of time was just, yeah, I think I had nightmares over that scene in particular. Yeah, I always remember that being the one, the scene that really freaked me out in The Shining. Really. I think that that's probably to do with the age. I watched it as a young man as well, I suppose. Yeah, reading it in the Definitely. book wasn't much fun either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Tarquin? What's your most memorable movie scene in a bathroom? Okay, this this one scared me off heroin for life. Um, Christiane F. <laughs> um, so, poor old Christine. She's a teenage prostitute. Um, she's in a bog, in a public toilet, trying to um, inject heroin into her leg, trying to find a vein. They're all used up. Um, she finally finds one. But then... Um, a completely wretched junkie um, sticks his head over the top of the cubicle, jumps down, grabs the syringe, and um, sticks it in his neck, and um, injects himself. Oh. What so what film's that from? I can live without heroin <laughs> for life. Um, Christiane F came out in the middle of the eighties. That sounds very cheery. <laughs> yes, beat that. <laughs> 
Is, is the overall story about heroin then? Is it, is it a story, a film about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a true story. Um, uh, yeah, she became a prostitute when she was like fourteen, and um, yeah, it's just her journey, like getting off it and um, getting back to normal. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, <laughs> Nicole, what about you? <laughs> I'm bringing the joy. <laughs> um, I chose Out of Sight. Uh, George Clooney plays an ex-convict who has gotten extraordinarily filthy during his escape. And he is relaxing in a hotel bath that is steaming. And Jennifer Lopez plays a marshal who has gone to apprehend him. And she sneaks into the hotel room while he's in the bath and peeks in the door gives sort of a an appreciative nod, <laughs> comes in, points her gun at him. He grabs the wrist with the gun, says, hey, and she pulls her into the tub on top of him. And then she wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see. That, that, I enjoyed that seen a lot runner-up uh dan stevens in the doorway of a bathroom in the guest wearing only a towel <laughs> so <laughs> that was a elmo so, yeah. leonard um book wasn't it um yeah george clooney one yeah yes it was yeah, yeah, I yeah. to see that. out of sight is excellent i highly yeah, recommend it i remember steven I, soderbergh i mean i remember i think i saw it not not too long after it came out, I think. And I would have only been 15, I think, something like that. But again, that was a very... It's a very... Uh, it's just a very sexy film. Yes. Overall. Uh, Vanessa, what about you? I also went for The Shining, but a different scene. Um, the scene where Jack Torrance is in the bathroom with a... Is it Grady? Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah. he's basically talking him into killing um, Wendy and Danny. And oh, the caretaker. It's such a like psychologically scary scene, unlike the other one, which is more kind of visually scary. Just the way he's talking so clinically, and it's just really. Mm. I found that scene the first. I mean, when I first watched The Shining, I was too young to watch it as well, and I was absolutely terrified. And that scene. I just think there's something so chilling and so cold about it that it just kind of, when I think about The Shining, it's one of the scenes that I always think about. It's the progression of that scene, isn't it? Of the just, you know, him him sort of not playing along and, and just to get into the end where he's, you know, he's just not playing the game anymore and it's, you've got to do something about this. Uh, cook. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good one. Got to give a special mention to uh, train spotting. I think. Oh God! Uh, yes. Absolutely, yeah. The worst bathroom in Scotland. Yes, in all of Scotland. We yeah. It's a lot worse. It's uh, a lot oh. worse than the book. Uh, okay, so who did we start with? Tarquin. We'll go to you for your second question. You are David Gordon Green, but good. How would you about go? How would you go about writing and directing the next Friday the Thirteenth film? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> F- 
first of all, I wouldn't. Um, if I was David Gordon Green, I would go and have a word with myself. Out the back of somewhere, away from everybody. Um, it's an inter the really interesting question, that, because, you know, considering how popular the Friday the 13th franchise is and how easy it would be just to reboot it. And I know they did try, the Platinum Dunes did sort of try. It's just fascinating that it hasn't really been touched since then. Um, I think, really, the only way that you could do it would be... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you've stumped me on this one, Tarquin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see... That's, you quite, see a, that's quite a niche question, really. Um... But well, all right. Would it be in a campsite? Well, I think it would have to be. I, I, I'm a big fan of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and I think it's always at its best when it's at its most simple. And I think if you could, you know, if you look at any way that you could sort of change it up or do it different, you're going to either make it too complicated or you're going to make try and make it too intelligent in a way that would just completely ruin it you know you could i mean there's a thousand things you could do you could turn jason into a female or you could you know um make him a bit more of a um a more sort of rounded character but that would just take away from 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 what he is and what the films are um I think you could probably do something along the lines of, you know, the, being a bit, him being a bit more sympathetic, maybe learning a little bit more about how he became, uh, you know, that sort of backstory of how he drowned. Maybe Jason, the early years, I suppose, is a possibility. Because, I mean, if you do watch, you know, the original films, there's a big gap, a big plot hole in the fact that he drowned and that's why his mum kills everybody in the first film but then he appears yeah whoops in the second film and it's like well where if he's not been with his mum where has he been you know so i suppose there could be an interesting story there where he's sort of living off the land and maybe gets um uh you know sort of picked up by some hillbilly in the woods and taught how to to make a burlap sack hood and uh and uh how to machete the shit out of people Okay, you're touching on my idea there. That's not bad. <laughs> uh, all right, um, Vanessa? I've only seen, so I'm maybe not the best person. I've actually got the box set. I need to watch the rest of them, but I've only seen the first two. I think either you take it back to summer camp or you do, like, a new nightmare, like you have it set in a world where the Friday the 13th films are, you have it set in, like, our world. And then you somehow do something new nightmarish with it, where you've maybe got somebody who's obsessed with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and then somehow taps into it. So, like, I don't know either, like, kind of new nightmare, like, or a bit like um, the final girls, maybe where somebody gets trapped in the Friday the Thirteenth. You know what I mean? Like something a bit more like meta. Meta, I, don't, I, I was trying to avoid using that word because I don't like it, but like some, Ooh. 
I've got an idea. An idea's just come to me. But I'll see if anybody else says it before we come back to me. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, uh, Nicola. Nicole. Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole. Um, I thought, what about taking it in a Tucker and Dale versus evil kind of direction? Where Jason is this just this really awkward camp counselor (laughs) who's hired by the previous camp director, but that camp director dies suddenly, has to be replaced. So no one knows that Jason's been hired and he's coming, so no one's expecting him. And then there's just a series of unfortunate misunderstandings that lead to multiple deaths and uh, poor misunderstood Jason. (laughs) Just because uh, of his hideously deformed being face. Being cast, uh, looked at as a villain at the end. <laughs> yes, he gets hideously deformed and is cast as a villain in the world's eyes. Yeah, okay. Good, good. And um, Jamie? Um, well, I also contemplated that uh, the prequel exploring Jason's death onwards storyline. And that was my sort of serious uh, sort of reboot angle. Um, with the Friday the 13th film to get increasingly more outlandish, tongue-in-cheek and ridiculous as they go on right up to Jason X. So, you know, maybe you could have just a, a series of films exploring Jason and random crazy sort of uh, locations, uh, slaughtering people, you know, like a, 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 what about a, a winter set in a ski resort or something funny like that, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's all sorts of strange... Uh, uh, interesting settings you go for if you wanted something a bit more um, as a tongue in cheek. Jason in the Hood. They, yeah. That seems to be a popular yeah. trope. Yeah, that's for a good one. That's a good movie, one. Hot slasher movie sequels. <laughs> all right. So my one. Um, all right. So presently, Jason wakes up from hibernation, bound by moss to a tree. A crow is eating one of his eyes. He clocks it with a machete, pulling himself free from the tree. He goes to an altar in the forest where the local townspeople have left him a calendar for 2024. Unfortunately, due to his limited visibility, he is unable to see the date. After a montage of him sneaking up on bears and deers and particularly crows, we see him arriving at Crystal Lake. But he's come at the wrong time. The kids are there. Still, he's there now, so he carries on with his usual routine of killing (laughs) teenagers until after slaughtering a lifeguard, he causes a deformed, simple local child to drown and die. He realises that he has become that which he sought out to destroy. <laughs> he leaves the camp, goes to therapy, and becomes a useful, productive <laughs> member of society. Excellent. <laughs> so you had elements of mine in there. Hey, sounds nice. Yeah. Well, as you as you were going through your ideas, I just thought of one, actually, which was, would be... Because all, all the Jasons are different, and... The, the con with the continuity not being there, you could almost say that they're different, maybe different variants, different timelines. You could have the multiverse of Jason, where they all and you know and all come to battle at the end. That would be good. Floppy hands. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so Nicole, we're back to you. All right, I'm going to go to my. Christmas question to avoid clumping up. Um, so, 
My Christmas question is, what is the greatest Christmas song from a film? Does it have to be actually from the film or just a Christmas song that's used in a particular film? I think it's hard to pin down ones. There there aren't that many that were actually written for the film. Yeah, there's that's a very small group of songs. So I would I would go ahead and include just songs that were used prominently uh, in a film. Um, I would say it is... God... Do you know what? I can't even remember what the bloody song was. What the hell is the song? It's the song, whatever the song is, from Home Alone, where he's got all the silhouettes. Is it Jingle Bell Rock? In that scene, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's Well, it, 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 it'd be twofold. It's either that from Home Alone or Run, Run, Ru- Run, Run Rudolph from, from Home Alone as well, where they're all running through the, the airport. But yeah, I'll, no, I'd say Jingle Bell... Uh, Jingle Bell Rock in the uh, where he's in the front room with the cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan, pretending that he's got a house full. Um, do we go to somebody else or me next? I don't remember. It's up to you. You can. All right. Oh, Tarquin. Go to Tarquin then. Okay. <laughs> you next. You next. Um, okay, so, uh, a lonely Joe, uh, the lonely Jew at Christmas from um, South Park. Bigger, <laughs> it's a really sweet song. <laughs> Poor old Kyle. Uh, you got to watch the new one, um, the pandering. <laughs> uh, the pandering verse, the pandaverse. That's it. So, uh, Vanessa. I don't know the name of the song. It's the song that they um, play with the ghost of Christmas present and the Muppets. You know the guy that's like, come in and know me better, the big ginger oh, guy. Um, and it goes like... That one. Feels that, like Christmas, yeah. Yeah, whenever you Where feel love, it feels yeah. like Christmas. I like that one. I love that movie, to be honest, and that me... It may come up again in this conversation. Um, and the whole soundtrack, <laughs> I think, to that movie is good. I think that one was specifically, it would have been specifically written for that film. Yeah, 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 it would, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jamie? Uh, I went for um, Christmas is All Around from Richard <laughs> Curtis's masterpiece, <laughs> Love Actually. Yeah. That's going to come up later. Uh, no, as well. I have. <laughs> No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's my second. That's my second blatant lie. I do apologise, and there will not be a third. Um, I no, I, I went. I actually went for an original song. Um, so I, I went for what's this from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. What's this? That It's just brilliant. Um, Jack Skeleton, so just just seeing this whole world that's completely alien to him, mm. um, and that's uh, great. I think that's a that's a fantastic one. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, I almost went with uh, Muppet Christmas Carol as well. Oh, yeah, one yeah. more sleep till Christmas. Um, just because it's so sweet and it's jaunty There's and it's catchy. But <laughs> I am a sucker 
for a melancholy Christmas song. So I chose uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Meet Me in St. Louis. So Judy Garland Garland. making everybody cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that from uh, Martin Scorsese's 100 Years of Cinema. The melancholy. Mm -hmm. Um, Special mention for White Christmas. Yeah, White Christmas. The classic. Classic. Absolute classic. Uh, Okay. So, who are we next? Vanessa. Is it? Is it? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, what is um, your favourite closing scene from a movie? It's easy. So simple, that one. It's the Wicker Man. Original Wicker Man. <laughs> it's just perfect. Absolutely perfect. And it's just one, I've said this before, I think, but it's it's just a great film. It's a great film to watch with somebody who's never watched it before and get to that part. Um, you know, the sheer sort of dread and the terror and the just painfulness of of that last scene, March, you know, and it goes, you know, it's not like there's your, your twist or your shock ending and that's it, you know, you, you've got the prolongedness of, him being dragged up the hill, put in, you know, knowing exactly what's going to happen to him. Um, him try, you know, reciting the Lord's Prayer and 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 singing and all that sort of stuff. To burning to death to, to the inhabitants of Summer Isle, just swaying side to side, <laughs> singing their song, and then you know, up to the sunrise or sunset or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, onto your credits, and then whoever you sat with who's never watched it before, going, "Is that it?" And you're like, "Yes, that's it," and it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the Wicker Man. That's an easy one. What about you? Uh, I thought about a few because there's a few really good twist endings to films, but I ended up just going for what is my second favorite film. I've probably mentioned it before, and it's the very final scene in. Thelma and Louise, because I just think it's 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 difficult now because it's been parodied quite a bit, which kind of ruins it a little bit. But I remember first seeing that movie and thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is how they're actually going to end it. And even the bit where Gina Davis gives Susan Sarandon a kiss, that was apparently um, improvised. And I think it's just perfect because of where the relationships got to. And I just, I love that film. And I just think it ends in such a... It's the best way it could have ended because the alternative is to get arrested and then they spend the rest of their lives in jail. Like that would have been a shit ending. So it just is just absolute. I don't. Funnily enough, I love as much as I'm saying that. There's a bit of a montage that happens after the car goes off the cliff where you see them like in various points in the road trip before things got so dark. That bit is a wee bit unnecessary, but the actual car, you know, going over the um, Grand Canyon or whatever it's supposed to be, I think is perfect. Yeah, that that's how it ends in my mind. Just yeah. that shot of a I, I'm pretty sure that um, originally, um, as shown to test test uh, screening audience, it carried on a little bit more, and the car dipped, and that's where <laughs> and that's when they cut the film. But they they decided they didn't, they didn't like that. You need to cut it as the as the car is still you know soaring <laughs> high. Mm. Well, then you can imagine that exactly. it changes to the grease yeah. ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking about actually the grease ending. But, uh, how about Nicole, how about you? What's your favourite um, closing scene from a movie? This was the hardest one 
that I had to to come up with an answer to for me. Because um, there's there's so many. There's so many good ones. You know, like best best bad ending, I definitely agree with Peter, is The Wicker Man. That's the best dark ending to a movie. Uh, the best happy with like a question mark ending is Midsummer. <laughs> it's like I found myself like feeling up at the ending and then when I thought about it later I'm just like oh what am I <laughs> what am I happy about here <laughs> what exactly has gone on um but I mean I I had to go with the ending to it's a wonderful life so I watch it every year. I watched it multiple times a year when I was a kid because it was in public domain at the time. And so it was on television constantly from about November 1st until New Year's. And um, so my sister and I, my oldest sister and I would watch it every single time we could find it on and drove our mother crazy. Uh, but... The ending scene where everyone shows up and gives back to George Bailey and, Har you know, younger brother Harry shows up home from the war and he gives the toast to my big brother George, the richest man in town. And I absolutely lose it at that <laughs> point every single time, just floods of tears down my face. So, yeah, end of It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite closing I'm scene. I'm choking up just thinking about what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yep. Oh, that's fab. Yep. Uh, tackling. I... Okay, well, nobody's perfect, but the ending of Some Like It Hot is. Yeah. You know, I, I just really love that. Um, do I want to spoil it? No, I'll no. just leave it at that. It's it's aging a little strangely for me, but f in its time, that was a fan absolutely fantastic last line yeah, I mean, for a it, movie. It just meant he knew all along, and he didn't right, care. and didn't care. So it's progressive in a way. <laughs> I'd like to just throw in one more actually before we move on on that, just because it's just popped into my head. Uh, usual suspects yeah. as well. Mm. That was... Yeah, is that Jamie's? Well, <laughs> Oh, sorry, Jamie. Sorry. Hang on. We'll go back. Uh, sorry, Jamie. I forgot about you. Uh, what about you, Jamie? What would you pick? <laughs> Jamie, what would you pick? <laughs> well, you see, te technically, it was between Usual Suspects and another film, so it's it's okay. But I, w I, I was going to talk about Usual Suspects because um, it's one of my few cinema experiences where um, I remember, remember um, everyone standing up and clapping at the end of it. Wow. I've, I've never had that before. I don't know if everyone stood up, but a lot of people stood up and were clapping. Um, and uh, and I remember just walking back, my head all in a daze, <laughs> trying yeah. to, oh, wow, it blew my mind. But no, the one I actually chose, I think is darker than yours, Peter. I do like a dark film ending. Uh, I went for seven. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, well, it's yeah. just Perfect. it's a brilliant. It's in my top ten. Mm -hmm. um, I still think it's David Finch's best film. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's just it's, it's a wonderful scene. It cost the whole of the film. You are. Um, it's such a dark film, and there's no light at all in it. Then all of a sudden, you have that sudden change 
into mm. into brightness and that whole scene in the car where Brad Pitt's character, you know, they, you know, they think they've got the <laughs> the man and and they're in control of it. But it's that's not the case. You get a sense is there something wrong here? Well, you know, you know, why is he mm. why has he done this? And uh, of course, ultimately, he's in complete control. And then just the just the final reveal. Uh, it's just a, it's a gut punch of an ending. Mm. Um, I just read something the other day about that they originally made a head for the box of a, a cast of Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow, and mm. it was later used in Contagion. Really. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whether that's true or not. It popped up on it popped up on Facebook. No. I mean, that was what, how many years after that was you know was contagion. But wow. yeah, but yeah, the end of Seven's got one of the most chilling lines yeah. ever in a film where John Doe talks about how he took her. You know, she begged for the life of the baby inside her, and you know, Mills is just that the eyes go big, and he goes, uh-huh. "Oh." He guess that's know. something that Summer said had kept from him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like, oh no, it's just like oh, <laughs> it is. And I think it's one of those, you know, nipping back to the usual suspects. It's one of those. I mean, I watched. Uh, yes, it's round about, round I, about the I, same I, time. I, really. about, yeah. I used it was same year. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. the same year. I mean, I, and I would. I, there was a long time where Usual Suspects was always my sort of favourite film, and I think it's been soured by. Kevin Spacey's oh, sort of... Because he's in both. Uh, <laughs> he's in both. Why? Was, I know he was found sort of innocent of, of, of mm. these particular crimes, but he still didn't come off very no. nicely he's got... in, the, in, in that court case. Ex- expensive um, lawyers, that's what it's called. But I watched it with my dad and his partner um, a couple of years ago because um, they always asked me for recommendations and I'd, I'd gone to stop with them at the caravan and I said we'll put this on and stuff. And it's the first time I'd watched it in a long time, but it's still, it still sends chills. It's, you know, that as soon as he drops that cup, you just, you, you goose bump in for about the next three minutes for the rest of the film. And it's amazing. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably check. I'd probably actually change that to, from the Wicker Man to usual suspects, but there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so then, Jamie, I think it's you. Oh, is it you is it? with your number two? Um, what is your favourite slash most memorable Oscar moment? So it can be a speech, it can be a number, it can be whatever, whatever connected to the Oscars. Uh, yes, I would say it is Olivia Coleman winning uh, for the favourite. I've got so so much love for Olivia Coleman. I think she's just a fantastic actress and fan she just comes across as a fantastic person as well and a well deserved Oscar from her sort of you know, reasonably sort of humble beginnings, you know, she's somebody that's especially this you know, this this sort of side of the world, you know, we would have seen her in adverts and working her way up through television, um and things like Broadchurch, which she was absolutely amazing in. Um, she was in a, a, a reasonably sort of overlooked film uh, directed by Paddy Constantine called Tyrannosaur, which is absolutely amazing. And her performance is just heartbreaking and stunning at the same time. Um, I can't say that a kid. That's, that's her of um, Peep Show? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, she was so good. Yeah, um, and I can't say I'm a big fan of the favourite. I didn't think it was fantastic, and but it was just just so so amazing to see her win something like that, um, and just the speech was just amazing. It just so so humbling. Um, and even bet it was bettered the next year by she obviously they get the people back the next year to to give the prize I think you know so the whoever won best actress presents the award for best actor the next year and things like that and she still she came on and said that um, this uh, this is unbelievable that last year um, this night last year was the best night of my husband's life. Um, and I've had three children or something like that. And she's just so funny. I just love her. Love her to bits. Well deserved. Good one. Um, I went for... Um, uh, there was a time when I remember watching the Oscars live. So I, I must have, when I was really enthusiastic and I didn't have children uh, and had a life... <laughs> um, <laughs> watching it live so and i've definitely watched this one live it's 94 when samuel L. jackson lost out to martin lando for best supporting actor for pulp fiction and you know when they when just before it's uh, announced you get the all of the 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 nominees they're on camera mm-hmm. yeah and uh and it's read out and the best actor goes to and Samuel L. Jackson was clearly, I mean, I think the pre-buzz beforehand, he was he was the favourite and he, there's a good chance mm. he was going to get it and it's a Tarantino film and blah, blah, blah. And you could tell just by watching him that he was expecting his name to be called up. And he goes, and wait, best supporting actor in the uh, uh, goes to Martin Lando for Edward. And you see him mouth shit audibly because <laughs> shit and it's great it's so funny it's great because normally they're all like oh smiling and clapping and everything but inside the public ah. um yeah, but he, no, he, he yeah he, he, he gave it his honest uh reaction which was great so it's, it's on youtube just uh, have a look at it it's, it's great it's really funny yeah, i've seen i remember seeing that yeah, yeah. it's great uh nicole what about you um Mine was fairly recent. I think it was the 2018 awards, and it wasn't on stage. It was a backstage moment. It was Keegan-Michael Key reacting to Jordan Peele winning the Best Screenplay Oscar for oh, Get yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. And just the level of like love and support for his friend was just so pure. Um. And it was just so nice to be able to to see that. You know, that was one of the years where I was glad that they stick cameras everywhere just in case somebody does something <laughs> interesting. Um, you're just like, why is this, you know, in this hotel lobby in Dubai? You know, but sometimes they just, <laughs> sometimes it works out. And I guess that's why they send out, you know, satellite crews everywhere to get reaction mm. shots from people. Cool. Tarquin, what about you? Um, ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in 2004, um, like Circus, Starsky and Hutch, um, they gave out an award, I think, for short film 
but it was more the interviews that they were doing like just before and and stuff and the you know they had that great chemistry back then mm. um ben stiller kind of uptight tense owen wilson just you know charismatic godlike <laughs> and um yeah it was just really funny and vanessa well, obviously, it would need to be Kevin Costner taking a bullet for uh, Whitney Houston. Um, no, I'm only joking. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's really recent, but Jamie Lee Curtis winning the Best Supporting Actress at the 20, would it have been 2022 mm-hmm. uh, awards. Um, our yeah. speech made me cry. I think it was so sweet when she kind of dedicated it to horror fans and acknowledged how much of an it, like impact doing those kind of films has had on her career and being a horror fan. I love that. And then she started speaking about her mum and her dad and she started like choking up a little bit and I just thought it was really sweet. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis, like, I just think she's absolutely amazing and I thought it was well-deserved and, yeah, so, yeah, just thought it was super, super sweet. Cool. Nobody went for the slap. I almost did, but then I was like, that's not really my favourite, it's just one of the funniest. <laughs> or the moon, or when when Moonlight won, or did, or no, it did win, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. Win. That's, that's a, a good one, yeah. <laughs> Why, what happened? They yeah, announced, not invited Faye Dunaway back. They announced <laughs> uh, it was Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, yeah, I think. Yeah. They announced that La La what Land won Best Picture and all the cast and producers, director, went up <laughs> to accept the award. And then they said, no, Moonlight's won it. So you can, they had to go you away. Can, you, can, you can sort of see it on Warren Beatty's face that something wasn't right. He was working something out and he was walking <laughs> yeah. off stage to try to... And then, yeah, oh, it's an absolute Well, disaster. he knew, didn't he? He knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. Yeah. Like, it's Faye Dunaway who sort of blurted it, yeah. La La Land. Yeah. Brilliant. Um... Okay, so where are we going next? I've lost where we are. Well, uh, we're starting round three. We're starting round three. So Tarquin, so we're going to two Christmas rounds in this yes. one, then, are we? Yeah. yeah. How many questions? Yeah. So, so this must be, yeah, so Tarquin, so it's you next. All right, um, what Xmas film? I'll start again. What Christmas film should bad little boys and girls be forced to watch this Christmas? Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to retread something that I've already said, actually. Um, Santa Claus the movie. Um, I'm going to have to go to that again. Um... Because although it does sort of lose this, this, the story of that film does sort of lose its <laughs> the entertainment value towards the end of it. It's, you know, it, it it is about the sort of um, uh, the capitalist side of Christmas and um, you know the big toy companies and and you know all the sort of um, commercial side of Christmas, I suppose, um, and and sort of bringing things back to to more what the spirit of christmas should be so i suppose that's probably the one um without going to sort of krampus territory um, i think uh if we're actually talking about films that are suitable for little boys and girls no no nope. <laughs> james nope. shaking his nope. head <laughs> they've been bad they need to be punished <laughs> um that's uh that's 
that's probably it. That's probably the sensible answer for me. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so my one was Animal Olympics because just it's a really boring film. I mean, that'll teach them. Um, <laughs> the nineteen eighties, like animated film about um, an Olympics with animals instead. Really, really poor. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and it'll put them off sport for life. <laughs> That's another plus. I thought you specified a Christmas film, Tarquin. <laughs> nope, it's make them suffer. Um, uh, Nicole? Um, if it doesn't have to be child appropriate, <laughs> then I'd say probably The oh, Ref. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. Would be That's the a Christmas good one. film to punish children with. <laughs> the Ref. Just what, what's like, that about them? Uh, it's about a burglar who breaks into a Connecticut home and the couple is actually still there and they're having marital problems. So he takes them hostage, but they're fighting the entire time and he can't get them to shut up. <laughs> and so it's just a couple of hours of being stuck with extremely unpleasant people uh, being very hostile toward one another. Um so the burglar is the ref. That's why referee, mommy and daddy are getting divorced. Yes, the burglar is the referee between the, the two of them. Um, but if it is child appropriate, then Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Um, yeah, yeah. Pia Zadora? Yes. And it's, I barely remember it, yeah. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> it's got every, everybody's favourite sex pest, Kevin Spacey, in it? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. yes. Really? <laughs> Here we go. And Dennis Leary. Yes, he's he, he's yep. the ref, yeah. Okay, um, Vanessa? I've already mentioned this movie, but I love actually. I think it's the worst Christmas movie. <laughs> I don't understand the love for it. From the fat shaving of Martine McCutcheon, who isn't even fat, uh, to like glorifying this kind of sociopathic stalker, um, like, I just do not understand <laughs> what is so great about it. The only thing I think that's redeeming about it is the Bill Nye story. That bit, I, yeah, I can, he's, get, he's I can get on board yeah. with that. A lot of the rest of it, um, I don't like. Oh, I don't know. I like the the um, Colin Firth bit's quite sweet, quite funny. Maybe. I mean, and I don't like that Alan Rickman is made into such an arsehole. Like, Alan Rickman's a good baddie in like a pantomime sense like in Die Hard and like Robin Hood <laughs> Prince of Thieves but they yeah. make him a baddie in a like real way that I don't really like so the whole film I think like I met yeah. and I don't think it's that <laughs> funny like Four Weddings and a Funeral I think is really laugh out loud funny at times and I just don't think Love Actually is sweet I don't think it's funny and I could talk for a long time about why I don't like it but I'll leave that for another day <laughs> And just say that, um, yeah, it's shit, and people should watch it if they've been bad. <laughs> <laughs> Although, honestly, I think possibly the most realistic part of that movie is the, um, I think the character's name is Colin, the guy who's absolutely convinced that he will get women in America that he would never get in Britain. And having been here watching American women's reactions to men with accents um, even as like working class and um, 
as awkward. Where's uh, my passport? Uh, Where's my passport? Yeah. <laughs> awkward a person this actor was. We've 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 sorted for for the movie jewel uh, uh, getaway for next year. I think. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are absolutely women here who will be like, oh my god, where are you from? You know? Just looking at TripAdvisor. <laughs> it has been it has been noted yeah. it has been noted on no less than two podcasts about my my voice as well. So there we go. I'm I'm getting it booked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jamie, what's your answer? Well, well, yeah, they've they've been bad. They've been bad. So I think the only appropriate uh, response is punitive. Mm. So <laughs> it, 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 it really this sounds very sinister. Well, it, it, yeah, it depends. <laughs> it depends how how punitive you you wish to be. But is Martyrs a Christmas movie though? Uh, yeah, the, 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 these are both Christmas films. One more so than the other. Um, Christian film. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, if you just want to sort of ruin Christmas for them, you know, they have been bad. So you know, maybe ruining Christmas might be a good idea. You could you could show them the Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, you know, I think I think that would be uh, quite an appropriate one. Um, but if you want to traumatize them, well, Black Christmas is an obvious mm. choice. I would say, <laughs> you know, and I thought about yeah, that one. And really uh, sort of uh, <laughs> telephone calls that really creep you out. Um, mm-hmm. And but clearly, um, then sort of copied. Well, I, I think it's it is pre-scream, isn't it? I mean, I think that it was the mm. that was the the phone call that really sort of uh, um, uh, freaked freaked people out. Um, so yeah, Black Christmas. You don't want to give the little buggers ideas. For... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I say I've. I, I did something, things like that, without wasn't proud of us uh, picking up the phone and, and and speaking in very strange voices to people I didn't know. So that wasn't very good. So I've, I've done that before. Yeah, hopefully yeah. we all did. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't everybody go through the prank? Yeah, probably, phase? probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, we used to do that when we was kids. It used to be just we used to use a Welsh accent, which wasn't <laughs> scary. We'd just be like, <laughs> Janet. Is that you, Janet? <laughs> and just carry along that line for however long till they hung up, which was pretty fantastic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting really into Jamie's psyche here with his <laughs> his, uh, his nuisance phone calls and his punitive measures and yeah. trips to America that he wants his planning. <laughs> Absolutely, just wait for my next one. Okay, so Nicole, back to you. Okay. What is your weirdest movie character crush? Was an obvious one that I think is probably for many men and ladies, Um, uh, which would be uh, Jessica Rabbit, which... Is that weird though? Well, no, it isn't, I suppose. But then it's it's an actual. That's as weird. That's as weird as I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that would be the obvious one.
It's not really a movie. Well, it isn't a movie at all. And this might go over Nicole's head. But hopefully the other three will know what I'm talking about. The bunny from the Cadbury's Caramel advert. Oh, yeah, she's hot. Lovely voice. <laughs> that is a Devon ex- accent. Oh, uh, we yeah. didn't have those over here. We just had like an actual rabbit clucking uh, for clucking <laughs> Cadbury egg ads. Oh, no, no. This was sort of, it was very sort of, well, Jessica Rabbit esque, I suppose. Was it like a Playboy bunny kind yeah. of bunny? Yeah. Um... No, it was a bunny, an actual bunny. It's sort of like, uh, is it from Wayne's World where they talk about um, finding Bugs Bunny attractive when he dressed up as a lady? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of like that. It's a, it's a bit, um, yeah, that that made me feel fuzzy when I was a kid. <laughs> it's the voice. She's got a lovely yeah. like, Bristol attitude. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'll go Jessica Rabbit for the movie connection. Uh, I went with Jack Putter from Inner Space as played by Martin Short. So <laughs> I don't know why. There's literally like no overt, <laughs> traditionally attractive qualities. But I guess it's like there's this moment where he kisses Meg Ryan and I'm like, oh. He looks like he's actually kind of good at that. And <laughs> it just sort of went from there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, again, it's another, as I've grown older, a sense of humor becomes more important than looks mm. as you age. Because if they take themselves too seriously, then what's the point? <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, so. you missed that, Jamie. <laughs> I, I could I could tell him it's something good as well. No, I said uh, my my secondary one to Jessica Rabbit was the um, uh, the bunny from the Cadbury's caramel advert. Oh. <laughs> 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 That's a good word. <laughs> uh, right, where are we going next? Um, Tarquin. Okay, yeah. So you did say weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Cleo. The um, goldfish in Pinocchio. Yes. Oh, okay. Hot. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. It's got um, <laughs> the eyelashes, <laughs> kind of coquettish twirl of a tail. Um, you have to wonder about Geppetto. I mean, why is he putting lipstick on a goldfish? <laughs> <laughs> he must have been up and down every pet shop trying to find the most wanton fish. Yeah. <laughs> those big, li- big lips. Wanton <laughs> fish. <laughs> Right, uh, nope, nope. Jamie, can you top that? <laughs> uh, as I said, my my one is uh, uh, Jessica Rabbit, uh, really uh, uh, unoriginal. But I don't have anything weird. I can't. I was thinking, thinking, is there anything weird? Well, that's the closest. Most non-traditional. No, no, there's nothing I could really think of. Um, that was bizarre. Um, Oh, it's Kathleen Turner, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it, it's, I mean, that, yeah. that, that that did things to me as a pre-pubescent boy, I tell you. 
So that mm. you see, that's that's weird. You know, in the, in the animated character, I think. I think it's more weird because she's animated, but in the real, you know, she's. It's because she is. If if it was just a a whole cartoon, the film was a whole cartoon, then I don't think it would be as weird. But I think because she is an animation in the real world yes exactly it then makes yes it, it then makes yes, it weird exactly exactly so yeah. so I... like hollywood in cool world exactly mm, yes. exactly yeah which is by god one of the horniest movies i think mm -hmm. i've ever watched in my life mm. in such an odd way yeah <laughs> it's a shame it's terrible as well really it should be yeah so it really better. is <laughs> really is i should say it. it's rough back yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit like Jamie. I struggled with this a bit because most of the ca like characters that have crushes on are quite like they're played by like Brad Pitt or Christian Slater or you know like they're quite like they're not weird. Um, I did think about Jennifer Tilly as Brady Chucky, but um, because well Jennifer Tilly isn't a weird crush, but I think as the Brady of Chucky is maybe a wee bit weird. But I ended up going for. Um, mm. Another animated character, actually, funnily enough, um, The Beast in the 1994 Disney animation, Beauty and the Beast, because Ooh. I think there's something about him when he's a beast, but when he turns into a prince, it's completely disappointing. Like, he's just like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, like, you expect him to be, like, more kind of manly and gruff, and he's a bit kind of wet looking, but when he's the beast, there's something about him that's just quite, I don't know, it's strange, but a wee bit like Tarquin's fish. It's Rough. a bit weird, but uh, so that's the only one I could, I couldn't think of an actual human person because all of the ones I kept going around in my head, I was like, they're all like, I thought about Sam Elliott and Roadhouse, but actually I don't think that's that weird because I think loads of people like Sam Elliott and Roadhouse. No, um, not weird. Like, Kurt Russell is um, Santa, even though it's Santa, so it's a bit weird. It's still Kurt Russell, so that's not that weird, let's be honest. So, yeah, the Beast from Beauty and the Beast mm. is who I ended up going for. Yeah. Gotcha. We had a bit of a discussion offline about this, and I have to say, you know, as, as someone who grew up with a lot of female peers, not uncommon uh, crush to have. I think it's something about the, the deep voice and the big broad shoulders and yet still being sensitive at heart, you know, and then it turns into the prince and we're all like, mm. oh, okay. I mean, he's handsome, I guess. <laughs> it's just not the that, that same. TV series was very popular as well. Wasn't oh, and uh, Rom Lin 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 yeah. Linda, and Linda Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember watching that. That was another one of my grandmother's favorites. Beauty and the Beast. Vincent. Yes. Mm. Well, I, actually, I thought of a couple more I'd like to just throw into the mix. Uh, Maid Marian from Disney's Robin Hood. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. She was a bit more in a, in a sweet and innocent kind of way, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, and, I mean, this isn't weird, weird. I mean, it's weird in the sense that I am, you know, heterosexual. Um, Timothy Charlemagne in Bones and All. I haven't watched that yet. That's on my list. I need to watch that. I've heard it's brilliant. Yeah, it's I, a good, I, it's a good you know, show. It is. And I would I would be very close to turning for Timothy Charlemagne in that film. <laughs> very, very close. Pretty. He is. 
He is. He's a pretty boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But when you watch the film, it's even weirder, I suppose. It becomes weird. <laughs> yeah, even weirder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So whose question was that? Whose question was that? Nicole. Nicole. That was Nicole's, mine. Wasn't it? So who are we going to next? Is it me? To you. Yeah. Yeah. What is your... We're turning to Chuckle Brothers now. <laughs> what is your <laughs> scariest cinema experience? I'm going to have to give two answers for this. Um, the f- first one being a bit... It's a bit of a silly one, but I went to see... Um, with my partner at the time, a film called Long Time Dead, which was a British horror film. Not a very good one. I remember watching it since, and it it doesn't come across very good. It's got um, Joe Absalon in it, who was uh, in EastEnders uh, over here. And it was, it was to do with Ouija boards and a gin, I think, um, if I remember rightly. Um, and the film wasn't particularly scary in any sense, but... At the time, we didn't live too far from the cinema, and we've been to see this film that was, you know, marginally scary. But we walked home, and literally, was walking home through the riverbank in Lincoln. Literally, every other light, uh, street light, was flashing and going off <laughs> and coming back on, and just, just doing weird stuff all the way home and it was just so eerie so it's not necessarily the scariest cinema experience but it was a, a weird one um but i think really the only time i've genuinely felt terrified in the cinema watching a film uh was the blair witch project mm. um and i saw it obviously when it first came out and i would have only been what was it, 99, wasn't it? So I was 15. I was literally 15. Um, and it was the first horror film I went to see at the cinema. And my uh, the friend I went to see it with just thought it was a load of shite and he just didn't enjoy it and just didn't, didn't affect him at all. But I just sat there and I was just... just drenched in fear. And it still it still freaks me out watching that film. Yeah, um, it's a kicker of an ending too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I again, you know, going back to an earlier question, that's a, just a a great, perfect sort of shock ending. Um, but yeah, it just it just really sort of reached into me, very sort of cerebral, in a very cerebral way. It just bothered me, and I don't want to say I had nightmares about it because I don't think it bothered me that much, but. It certainly stuck with me for a long time. That film must be wild watching it in the cinema, like mm. the forest and, and the noises. Yeah, oh, it's incredible, incredible. Still one of my favourite films as well. What about you, Vanessa? Right. So I need to give context to this because the film's shit that I'm going to talk about. So <laughs> the film is the Woman in Black Two, the Angel of Death, right? Which is not a good film so i need to explain why it was a scary cinema experience so i saw the woman in black the stage adaptation 
when I was about 13 or 14. And it's the scariest thing, movie, book, thing, anything that I've ever seen or read in my entire life to the point that I ended up sleeping with my mum, even though I was in my teens, that night. And my poor dad had to go and sleep <laughs> in my bed. I was absolutely petrified. And then I read the book, petrified myself all over again, saw the, the first Daniel Radcliffe movie, not as scary as the stage show, but I, the whole concept as Women in Black, I found so scary. So when I went to the cinema to see the second one, I was so scared that I barely watched it. I like I watched it like this with like my hoodie over my face because I was so scared <laughs> of this concept. And even though the film is actually shit, because I was just so worried about her popping up, I was just terrified the entire time. And I've since watched, and I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, it's totally worth a watch if you can get your hands on it. The BBC did a, I think it must have been in the 80s maybe, did an adaptation of it which is absolutely amazing and has a brilliant jump scare in it. But the whole woman in black mythology, for some reason, really, really terrifies me. So even though that movie is basically shit, because of that, that was the scariest um, experience <laughs> I've ever had in a in a movie theatre. Tarquin, what about you? Uh, so outside of cinema, um, when I was about six or seven, my mum took me to the Disney cinema in, uh, just off Piccadilly Circus. And there was a, a Mickey Mouse uh, outside, right? Um, guy in a suit dressed as Mickey Mouse. Freaked me out. I was screaming. I was crying. You know, just, just, something about the head. Um, yeah, just really did me in. Um, and inside the cinema, Evil Dead 2 mm. broke my brain. Um, so I was about 16. I was there with a friend. And um, yeah, I was just dreading it. Just totally terrified all the way through. And um, I remember where the deer starts laughing and everything in the room starts laughing. It's turning to my friend. And we just we both knew this was mm. like as bad as it could get. It was it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, gotta love a bit of evil there too. Uh, Jamie, I don't have a sort of film that scared me. Um, that, that that's, doesn't really affect me. I've, I've, I've watched a film where other people have been absolutely petrified. Um, uh, so for some reason, the the remake of The Grudge, when I watched that at the cinema, people were just, they were just running out. They were absolutely terrified. They were running out in droves. And I was just watching, oh, well, that was fun. Um, I've seen The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I've seen quite a few sort of big, scary films. Um, and there's nothing that's really scared me, but I do have an experience where I personally was scared of something that was potentially going to happen to me at the cinema. So to give it a little bit of context, um, mm -hmm. I'm from, I, I, was, I was born in Orkney, which is a very sort of remote sort of uh, uh, island in, in Northern Scotland. And uh, we did have one set, uh, cinema uh, uh, in the in the metropolis of Kirkwall, that was the the, the sort of capital of Orkney, uh, and I'd I'd often go, um, often go with uh, Mark, my friend Mark, who you know Vanessa, um, and uh, so I watched quite a few films uh, with him, um, underage. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was something that that, that you know, the 
they, they, they were very very slack uh, with uh, you know things like that um, um, and I was not uh, uh, I would also have like friends I remember one friend called uh, uh, Tom Ashcroft who was he was strapping big guy uh, he looked well over his age so he, he would always get in first and I was I'll be the one who was sort of be coming after him. So it looks quite obvious that he he could pass for eighteen, where I was clearly clearly underage. Um, and I remember this, was guy sort of saying, "Are you sure you're eighteen?" I was going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so one film I got into well underage was uh, Total Recall, uh, Arnie's film in in nineteen ninety. So I was I was thirteen, I think something like that. Um, and 13, but looking eight, you know. Um, so I was in beforehand, really excited about getting in. This was actually, this was my first 18 I got into. And I was sitting down really excited. I've been really waiting for this film. And there was a gr- this group of, of, of local ruffians behind me. And as, so throughout the trailers, I could just hear that saying, Oi, oh, you, you're not 18. Oi, oi. All these sort of co- you know, comments like that. And then throughout, I think the first half an hour of the film, so they were constantly throwing sweets, like hard-boiled sweets and things like that at me. And it's just, just pinging off my head and things like that. And, uh, I, but I, I was sort of simultaneously sort of single-minded on, on watching this film, but also at the same time terrified of sort of turning around or engaging with them. So I just allowed them to sort of ping these sweets off my head and popcorn and everything. I just, and I just remember at the end of the film just being just, just just covered. You know, but I did I managed to get through the whole film without acknowledging them at all. <laughs> and I don't recall any sort of confrontation at the end of the film or anything like that. I think I think I managed just to scamper out really quickly. Um because uh, I was I was just expecting they were gonna sort of uh, you know corner me outside the cinema. Um and uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's quite terrifying. It's simultaneously terrifying, but also really exciting because I was I was obsessed with the film and really looking forward to it. So I was enjoying the film, but at the same time, enduring hardball sweets being pummeled off my head. Yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a moment there, I really thought that story was going to finish with like a, a joker ending like, do you know what you get when you pelt a 13-year-old with <laughs> boiled sweets for the entirety of the film? You get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> there you go. There's my one. But yes, I mean, shout out to Marcus Love, who uh, yeah. who, who, who regularly likes our, a lot of our posts. And, he does, yes, he um, does. Keep yeah, it up. Man. Keep it up. Thank you, Marcus. Good old Marcus. Um, and then uh, Nicole, I think to you. Yeah, um, I think I, you know, I started mostly getting into horror within the past decade, so for the most part, I don't tend to get very scared in the movies. Um, I have had you know tense moments, I mean, you know, a quiet place is all tension and. Um, hereditary and the bear scene in Annihilation, that was genuinely scary. <laughs> that moment in Skin Rink where someone says, look under the bed, and I'm just sitting there in the theater shaking my head, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't do it, mm-mm. 
Um, no, I was well asleep before that. <laughs> but uh, so this was when I was fourteen, and I was told that this was an action movie. Uh, and I, my sister and her boyfriend took me to see Aliens. Oh, hey. in the cinema. And it was my sister on one side of her boyfriend, and I was on the <clears throat> other side of her boyfriend. We were both clutching him from both <laughs> sides, uh, especially that first scene that you know turns out to be a nightmare. Uh, but there's a where there's a Ripley has a chestburster, yeah, starting to come out, and I was you know poor Derek, I was clutching his arm so hard I must have left tracks. <laughs> On the on him, um, but yeah, he was that living the dream, though. right? And then the rest of the movie, I was just freaked out the whole time and dreading mm. what was going to happen next. So, Aliens was definitely my scariest cinema experience. That's one of my favorite cinema experiences. I remember seeing that quite quite young ish, and the the scene with the it's the the, the proper chest bursty scene in that with the the sort of colonist that's that sort of stuck to the wall that proper freaked me out when i was younger because i think i i I definitely remember seeing aliens before i saw aliens so did i yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. uh okay right so we're down to the final question Mm. jamie oh yes it goes to you it's the christmas question for me then um which was um, most annoying child performance in a Christmas film. If you recall our conversation on the Goodbye Girl, we were talking about precocious children and annoying. And uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you get quite a few precocious yeah. children in uh, Christmas films. Hmm. Not necessarily precocious, but just annoying. See, immediately I go back to Santa Claus the movie because there's a really annoying kid in that. But I'm not going to go, not going to go to that well again. <laughs> um, this is probably going to be slightly controversial, but I would say uh, the girl in the Miracle on 34th Street remake. I can't remember her name. It's the girl who's in Mrs. Doubtfire and Matilda. Mara Wilson. Yes. Mara Wilson. Yeah, I just I don't I don't especially I mean she gets away with it in Matilda and maybe in Mrs Doubtfire but I just she just incredibly disingen disingenuous is that a word? It is indeed disingenuous performance in that film. I don't feel that she's. very realistic especially not in Miracle on 34th Street I think she's just incredibly wooden and annoying in that film Um, so yes I would say Mara Wilson in Miracle on 34th Street maybe it's because she's acting up against a fantastic uh, Richard Attenborough who's just pretty much impeccable in most things Um, I don't know but yeah that would be my that would be my vote, off the top of my head, anyway. Okay, 
Um, my one is uh, Jake Lloyd from Jingle All The Way. <laughs> just Jake Lloyd did anything. Just, just Jake Lloyd anything to yeah, and <laughs> so much, every, everything's irritating about him. But if you think about it, that was '96, I believe. It must have been the film that brought him to the attention of a certain George Lucas for the Phantom Menace. So he must have thought, hey. So it's even worse. It, it's it, even exactly, worse. Exactly, exactly. But that just, <laughs> but do, do you know the backstory to, um, I mean, um, you have to feel a little bit of, 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 of sympathy for poor Jake Lloyd. Do you know what happened to him? No. Well, off the back of the Phantom Menace in particular, where he was, he was he was critically mauled and you know fans of star wars can be particularly hostile as we know <laughs> um poor guy just were, were completely off the rails mm. uh rehab all i mean he's uh, he quit acting and he was he i'm sure he got into some some sort of criminal activity mm. uh, he was he it, he really just went up completely off the rails it really sort of mm. it's torment tormented him um so part of me feels a little bit uh uh harsh <laughs> for, for, for for name it it's probably just getting it back <laughs> he, together, well, yeah Tony, probably he's he's, 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 he's going to be listening to this i think <laughs> This is all going so it's going well so far. Really, really enjoying this. This, this well, is a good Jay, podcast. It, it's similar, similar kind of thing happened to Jay, Haley Joel Osment, though, didn't it? Really, I think he sort of went off the rails a bit, didn't he? Um, yeah, not he quite. Did. Maybe not to he quite. Did, the, he did. The same. Yeah, he's he's done all right though. He's, he's, yeah, he's, a couple of appearances. Silicon he's swung Valley. back around. Mm. Yes, but X Files. He was in the X Files as well. There's our X Files connection for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And he was in uh, what we do in the shadows as well, the TV series. That's right. That. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen the latest right. series, the new series? Of... Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. pops up again. Sex Education. Who was he in Sex Education? Uh, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, at least if there's uh, a, I think there might be a separate US version. Uh, um. So, uh, or it's called, or maybe it's called Sex Ed here. I think, but he was also in uh, Kevin Smith's Tusk. Uh, as a podcaster, oh, Sex Education—that's <laughs> another series that Kate Heron directed, and another X Files connection because it's got Gillian Anderson in it. <laughs> so it does. Oh, we're knocking him out of the park now. <laughs> um, okay, so Tarquin, what about you? All right, yeah. So Star Trek Generations, um, when Picard is in the Nexus. Um, living his perfect other life oh yes and um, so he goes into this kind of tinsely um, perfect Edwardian Christmas um, scene Mm -hmm. where he sees the family he could have had and um, there's all these kind of uh, perfect blonde ring knitted um, (laughs) blonde urchins Mm. and um, yes very joy division (laughs) and you know the one thing I like about Picard is that he hates children (laughs) (laughs) really impatient and irritable with them and they ruined it they ruined it for him yeah so, so that one busted children shut up wesley <laughs> exactly god i watched generations for ages it's because it's not that good 
Yeah, but it kind of is. I mean, anything. Jean-Luc Picard. Anything with Jean-Luc Picard. It, they, if we go weird crushes, Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> there we go. That's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird for me. It's just right. <laughs> Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard is not a weird crush. <laughs> uh, Nicole, what about you? Uh, most annoying choice performance in a Christmas movie. Um, well, first, I want to preface this just by saying that I think poor child performances are a great deal on the shoulders of the director mm-hmm. because there are plenty of directors who have gotten excellent performances out of kids who are in front of the camera for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's uh, Katinka Untaru in The Fall. There's, oh, what's the kid's name in Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Carrie Guffey, I think it is. Uh, yeah, great and Spielberg gets a great performance out of him. Um, you know, so I think a lot of it falls on the director's shoulders. Mm. But, once again, bringing in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, uh, there's a young boy <laughs> named Victor Stiles who plays Billy Foster, the Earth Boy, uh, who is kidnapped by the Martians along with his sister. And he's just incredibly stiff and overdone, and it's very, you know, second-grade-school play kind of performance. And, the you know... Have another take, you know. <laughs> run, a, <laughs> run a rehearsal. Do something, you know. Talk to the kid off stage and be like, "Okay, just you know, relax in front of the camera, Victor. You know, just chill. Pretend it's not even there. Just talk to this guy." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's absolute. It's the most amateurish performance I think I've ever seen uh, from a kid on film. Um, Vanessa, I'd like to preface this by saying this is one of my favourite Christmas movies and we've already talked about it <laughs> but in, Love Actually no, um, <laughs> but in, um, I mean the kid in that was great and <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life all of the children apart from Zuzu uh. annoy the fuck out of me and um, <laughs> the little girl at the piano, the older boy the little boy that's like excuse me I burped I hate them all <laughs> I think that's adorable. That, um, <laughs> Excuse me for what? I, I, well, maybe that's right. That's it. Vanessa's ruining right, Christmas sorry. for everyone. <laughs> the, the little boy that says I burped isn't the worst. First, but the two older kids, the girl playing the piano and the other boy, I just find them really annoying. They don't really have any character. You don't get to know them like Zuzu. You get to know a little bit, and I like her, and I think she's great. But the other kids in It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life just really get on my tits. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you malign Janie and Peter that way? <laughs> so I do love the movie, but the two older kids and it's a wonderful life, especially just really annoying. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> growing up. You know, people like what they like and they don't like what they don't like, and you just can't force it one way or the other. So. Fantastic. Well, that's it. That's 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 all of your questions for me. I believe. Well, well done, Peter. Well done. Thank you very much. Although I, 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 I would, it would be remiss of me not to be enough of a bastard to have come up with. Oh no! An intermission question for you, for. 
course. <laughs> and it will fall to um, who I feel has stumped me the most. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to get the first um, first go at this question. So, Tarquin, Jamie, Vanessa, Nicole, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For your Christmas intermission question. It's not a Christmas one, but it's it's... It's quite an interesting one, I think, anyway. Okay, so, Tarquin, what is the best question asked in a film? Or the most memorable question asked in a film? Is it safe in um, Marathon Man? Is it safe? That's a good one. That's very good. I really hope I've got that quote right, but yeah. Is it safe? It is. Asked multiple times, I believe, in that scene. Uh, we'll go to Jamie because he's looking particularly perplexed. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> evil. I've got a complete blank. Um, that's an evil one. <laughs> Dear Jamie, I'm going to need more thinking time. I mean, maybe we should pass on to someone else because I'm, I'm drawing a blank oh here. Nicole, I'm going to go on my usual fallback which is in a row <laughs> in a row yeah oh, oh this, is a, oh, this is a good one uh. in a row <laughs> oh yeah sorry you just got it <laughs> try not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very good very good vanessa what about you well, since i'm a horror movie fan i think i'm going to go with What's your favourite scary movie? Ah, very My favourite, favourite horror good. movie. And I rewatched all the Scream movies recently and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> do you think, what do you think is going to happen with Seven? Scream Seven? While Jamie's having a think still because he still looks particularly perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> <He's free. laughs> it's not, it's not. I've, I've just, too many drinks. It's not, it's not looking good, is it? They've lost the both actresses. Well, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of thoughts about, and I don't really want to get into them because we could be here a while. But I think how um, Melissa is it Braverman? No, what's her name? Mm. Melissa Braverman. I think how she's been treated is horrendous, and obviously Jenna Ortega is now I think bowed out in the next one. Nev Campbell. I doubt we'll come back now, even if they offer her a shit ton of money because of um, what's going on. So I do not have high hopes for Scream 7. I, rewatching them all in quite close succession, I don't love Six. I think it's all right, but I didn't <laughs> love it. Um, it was exactly what it needed to be, I thought. No, I, I didn't hate it, but I think I liked it more the first time I saw it. 
Um, so no, I don't. Will I still go and see it? Probably, but I'm I'm not got high hopes. I have because because of the director. Um, it's the guy who did um, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day Two. I re- I really like him. How about you, Peter? Do you, are you looking forward to it? Do you think it's going to be a bit of a shit show now? I think it will be if they've not got those two in for sure. I think that six didn't miss it. I I was happy that six didn't have Niv Campbell in it. Um, and I think it was a shame that they shoehorned Courtney Cox into it. She shouldn't have been in it, or um, she should have been killed. No. One of the others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I like. I, I I thought six was really good because I thought it 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 got rid of a lot of the, you know, that opening with the whole who gives a fuck about the movies was just brilliant because then it's like it's, we're off to the races then because it's like. It's it's nothing to do with fucking you know you know how uh, how the movie tropes are, are going to affect the story and stuff like that. The ending was a little bit too wacky. It started, I think. I think I quite like the start as well, but I think it started better. I think it was better at the start, and I think for me it kind of went a wee bit down as it went on. Jamie, are you ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, to, I'm, I'm scared I'm, to give. I'm scared I'm, to give I'm, you mine. I'm, I'm okay. blanking this, this so what, badly. Dear, this could be the ultimate stunt um, for Jamie. Then, jeez. It says it is, but uh, you know, guaranteed, they'll come up with loads, and it'll be, it'll be, it'll be tormenting me in the night, and I'll be coming up with, why didn't I think of this, and why didn't I think of that? <laughs> no, I just can't. I can't think of it. Well, honestly, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine while we're waiting for Jamie. Go on, in, please. I don't, I'm not sure if I can, I can give one, to be honest. Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? Oh, gosh. That's, I, mean, I mean, there are so many obvious ones. I don't know why. I, this is nothing's coming to to my mind at the moment. Okay. Yeah. It's just something I always say to people I kill. <laughs> something I ask of all my prey. Never rub another man's um, rhubarb. Oh, I rewatched yeah. that the other day. Actually, oh, it's hours. fantastic! Still the it's best. So it's still the best to me. My favourite's um, the Dark Knight, but the I watched the original and Batman Returns not that long I've ago. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Oh yay! <laughs> wait, wait. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Does hold everything? <laughs> Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? What? I say it's a double one. See what? <laughs> say what, motherfucker? Yeah. I double Say what again? Yeah, there you go. There's lots of questions there. Lots of questions there. There you go. Do they speak English? There you go. Jeez. Just do the whole scene. I'm so relieved. <laughs> well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is your 12 intermission questions, or 13. Um, we're a big horror fan, so 13 is a good number to end on. Uh, 13 <laughs> intermission questions of Christmas. So, before we wrap up, um, see, this is our Christmas special and it's our sort of end of year special, um, to a degree. Uh, so, uh, just wanted to take this opportunity to, to give my thoughts about Christmas a little bit, I suppose. Um, and I really think, you know, for me, Christmas is a time 
of hope and a time of sort of looking back on the tar- you know uh, the last year and 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 looking ahead to the year in front of us as well um you know in just in terms of the podcast um it's gone through a lot of changes since sort of christmas last year you know um the last episode with with the original co-host liam was at the end of year review for 2022 um and moving ahead to this year was um very much up in the air of whether or not the podcast would continue um and now we're sort of 23 episodes in um and number of different bonus episodes as well so quite a lot in the last year um that we have done and that wouldn't have been possible if not for these four people that you've sat and listened to for the last couple of hours um i'm sure that's what it'll end up with the edit um so i just wanted to say uh from the bottom of my heart thank you so much to all four of you it's been an absolute pleasure to spend the last year talking films uh with you and it's really been um heartwarming that uh people have listened to us throughout this year and i'm proud to say that um you're not just co-hosts i consider you great friends as well um you know, although we've never met in person, um, I feel that uh, that um, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional, which is very strange. But there we go. Um, you know, I'm I'm very proud to call you all my friends, and thank you very much. Oh. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Cheers, Peter. Cheers. Cheers, Peter. That's it's, it's so lovely as well because obviously, like, we all got to know you originally because we were all recording with you differently. But it's been so nice the few occasions where we've all got together and, like, we've obviously got like a wee group chat now where we can chat with one another. And it's just so nice having people that you can talk to that's got similar interests. And yeah, yeah. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be involved in the podcast as well. Like, for me, I've never done podcasting before um coming on the movie duo and it's and I really enjoy it. I like recording. I've started editing a wee bit now as well and it's just yeah, it's it's like a new hobby and I, I love it. So thanks for the opportunity to do that. <laughs> Dita yeah. You're very welcome, all of you. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with my my nattering on about <laughs> <laughs> various films and pretending I know things about them when it's secretly just lots of behind the scenes research. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I don't get why you haven't met in person. I'm sitting here confused in American because you're all on the same island and yet. Oh, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we will. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will at some point. We'll we'll discuss that off mic because that's that's sort of, I've got a couple of points to go through before I let you all go after that. Jane Austen has led me to believe that Gretna Green is an excellent meeting spot between (laughs) Scotland and England. And a great place to get married. married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think it's only, uh, well, I don't know. Are you married, Tarquin? 
Uh, not at the moment. No, well, it's only me and Tarquin that aren't married, so <laughs> that'll be. Uh, that'll be. I'm not married. We're the only ones meeting at Gretna Green. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 Gretna Green's that um, that progressive, I don't know if it is or not. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yes, thank It'll you. take a lot of Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, um, but yes, that, that that's a, that wraps us up for this for this year, really for the for for the movie duelists. And uh, um, again, thank you to everybody who listens, everybody who takes part in the polls, everybody that uh, that contributes to the podcast. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, just leaves me to say Merry Christmas and goodbye. And for Nicole to say... 7 o'clock. Psycho sees Santa's workshop and only Lee Majors can stop them in The Night the Reindeer Die. Be here. (laughs) And Jamie to say... Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. That's awkward to say. It was snowing outside and the house was freezing, so I went to try and light up the fire. That's when I noticed the smell. <laughs> Darkwind! <laughs> <laughs> Had to be done. <laughs> I'm Vanessa to say. Light the lamp, not the rat! Light the lamp, not the rat! <laughs> <laughs>